What's up, Freedom Chasers? If you are looking to learn how to sell more houses or more importantly, how to train other agents how to do so, we have the show for you today. Our guest was the COO of a boutique brokerage office that grossed $400 million during his tenure. He helped grow it from two to 90 agents, and now he's on his own, and he has grown his own brokerage to 17 agents already in the past seven months. And he's going to tell us how he did it now, but more importantly, he's going to tell us the story of how it happened. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. All right, here we are with Mario Fox, broker owner of Fox Realty Group, a boutique brokerage in Louisiana, and they are growing quickly. But Mario, we've been talking for like 20 minutes already. I think the audience is going to benefit from your story. So why don't you just kick us off at the beginning? You were in the military and you came home. Let's just start there. Yeah, I started, uh, I left Louisiana at the age of 19, went to the army. Um, my, my grandmother raised me from birth. She didn't even know I was going to the army, man. She, she, she hated the military. All she wanted me to do was go to school and get an education. Uh, and school just wasn't for me, man. I'll sit in those classrooms and I'll be looking out the window like, man, I could be out there doing something different. So I decided to leave one day and go to the military. Um, and it was one of the best decisions that I made. And she'll come back and tell you now it's the best decision that he made. Um, and it just gave me so much discipline, man, and so much passion for what I do now. Uh, it was a game changer in my life. So I went to the Army. I was in the Army for five years, 82nd Airborne. Uh, over 72 parachute jumps, uh, and I did that, like I said, for five years. I met my wife while I was in the military. She's also in the Army as well. Uh, and we, I eventually transitioned out of the military, and we moved to D.C., where she was actually still in the military working at the Pentagon. And that's when I found my passion of real estate, and that's when I got into real estate around that time. Absolutely tremendous, man. You said 72 jumps. That is absolutely crazy, man. <laughs> my knees and my back and my migraines, they'll never let me forget it. So <laughs> I, I can only imagine. And and your your wife is working at, or she was working at the Pentagon. Is she still working there? No, she's actually retired now. And she is owner with me in our uh, real estate brokerage. I'm sure she's well qualified if she worked at the Pentagon before, man. <laughs> Very cool, man. So, so you came home, and, and what what attracted you to real estate? Man, so when we moved to D.C., we were looking for our, of course, we were looking to purchase a home, and uh, we found this real estate agent, man, and, you know, I'll name drop Anthony Mason. His name is Anthony Mason, and he was a young, sharp, guy uh, man he pulled up to the to the listing in a nice car he jumped out in a nice suit and i'm like oh man okay 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 i might and i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do as i was transitioning out of the military which is one of the hardest things for us military guys to figure out like what's after the army what's after the navy what's after the military um so i was going to go back to school for architecture because when i started college i was going to school for architecture so i thought that's what i was going to go back and do uh, but when I met this guy, man, I'm like, man, this guy's sharp. He knows what he's talking about. He gets to wear a suit every day. You know, he has a nice car, like, man, and he's helping people. Like, this is a, this may be perfect for me. Uh, so it was, man, that's kind of what intrigued me at first. And then 
I'm never about the money. I never go into a situation looking at the money, but it was hard to not see that check he got when we got the closing table, man. I'm like, God, dude, how many of these do you get a month? And he was actually the top producing agent at the Keller Williams that he was working at that I eventually uh, went to my first, that was my first brokerage, Keller Williams. Uh, he was the top producing agent there, man. So I feel like it was just meant to be. It was meant for me to meet one of the top producing people, one of the people at the top to really guide me and show me and say, hey, man, this is what you can do. There is no limit on this thing. Like, man, as much as you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So it was very interesting to see what he was doing and to hear that, he, man, I mean, he was getting four or five or six of those types of commissions a month, man, just off of our deal alone, he made about $17,000. So imagine that was very intriguing to me. And I'm like, okay, this may be this. Let me pause you one second. One second. Um, 17K. What is the average house price in, in the DC area? I know it's high. So like, I'll... <laughs> man, DC is, a is so we were actually living in Maryland. Uh, so it's the whole DMV, but we were living in Maryland at the time. Uh, and the average house there, man, is about 450. So you're talking about 3% commissions. Uh, and you're talking about, you know, we bought our house that we did ended up buying was a brand new construction house. So now you're talking about the bonuses that, that that new construction builder may put on top of that for you doing multiple deals with them. And this guy had done multiple deals with this builder. So, man, he had ran it all the way up with them. So at that point, I was like, okay, this is this this is intriguing. This could work. <laughs> no kidding. That makes sense, man. I mean, I'm in Chicago, man. Our average sales price for the whole area is 290 Obviously, we have every price range, but... We can't hang with that 450. Um, <laughs> not on average, at least. Some, I mean, obviously, some parts. Um, all right, dude. So this guy shows you how he's racking up these 15k plus checks four times a month. Obviously, you're intrigued. Where does it go from there? So I went. So I was like, man, how do you get into real estate? What do you got to go back to school? What do you got to do? And that's that's everybody's question. Everybody believes that you got to have some type of degree to get into real estate. He was like, dude, you take this nine. Uh, I can't remember how many hours it was there, but he's like, man, you take this course, man. Once you take this course, go take those two tests and dude, you're ready to go meet with a broker and start selling real estate. So I'm like, okay, cool. So of course the, our house that we found was probably 45 days out. So my wife and I were standing in the hotel that entire 45 days, which was crazy. Um, but during that time, man, I found a real estate course. I found a real estate class and I rented that real estate class and that was my job every day from nine to five that real estate school That's all I focused on. So it took me two weeks to finish the course. And in, in that course, I met my mentor, which was a game changer for me and my career in real estate, man, hundred percent. So I met my mentor in the real estate school, Dr. Walter Bowman, uh, who was an actual investor in real estate and had invested in real estate for years and just decided, man, I can save money by being my own agent. So he decided to go to real estate school. Again, perfect timing for me to meet the people that I'm meeting, man. This guy was a millionaire, right? Sitting in this real estate course with me. And he took a liking to me, man. I took a liking to him, man. And we became like brothers to this day. We're brothers. So him and I finished the course together. We actually went to Keller Williams together, interviewed Keller Williams together. And when we started there, we came in together, man. And we started on like our own little two-man team, just him and I. He worked a lot of listings. I worked a lot of buyers. And we just figured that thing out, man, and took it from, you know, nothing 
to something. So that's kind of where it started at kind of. Absolutely. I'm loving this, man, because I, I am such a proponent of networking. I think people, um, they don't put enough focus on it. Um, the vast majority of people, because you've just mentioned two people that had a drastic impact on your life and you met them through networking. And guess what? Like if you hang out with a bunch of millionaires, you know, the odds of you becoming a millionaire gets, gets a lot higher, you know? <laughs> so sure. let's, Let's talk about the progression, man. So like this guy's doing a lot of listings. You're doing a lot of buyers. You mentioned on the pre-show, you transitioned to luxury real estate. Mm -hmm. So, so where did that come from? So him and I were together for about, oh man, about two and a half years. And man, I mean, we were hitting this, hitting the ground aggressively, man. We would get up every single day and we would try to beat each other to the office, but it was impossible to beat him to the office. He was just... He wouldn't let me do it, man. So, man, we would be in that office, man, and our goal was to cold call every single day. And the goal was to get 20 contacts a day. That means 20 people on the phone, right? That, that, that was a contact. If you didn't get them on the phone, it didn't count as a contact. So 20 people a day, 100 people a week. And with those numbers, man, if your script is good, you know, we were, we were learning our scripts and learning how to cold call these people. And you have to have thick skin, man, because these people are going to hang up on you. They're going to cuss you out. You're going to hit everything in the books, man. And you got to realize that hundreds of other agents are trying to call them too. So we would try to hit the phones early as possible before the other broke, other agents would call and mess up what we had going on. So man, man, that really helped us to progress our first year in real estate both being multi-million dollar producers our first year in real estate and then our second year in real estate really doubling what we did the year before um so we just worked well as a team man with the cold calling and networking and door knocking we we were doing the things that we were taught that a lot of the other agents were not doing we were doing these things um so it transitioned my goal i always go into something with an end game and my end goal with real estate was luxury real estate. And I always wanted to get a broker's license and, and, and possibly own a broker. So I always went go into things with an end goal. Um, and after the two and a half years, I just felt that, man, I'm living in the DMV, DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And the opportunities for luxury there was insane, right? So I'm like, man, I have to tap into this luxury market. Uh, I always was a person that dressed well. I always liked to dress well. Uh, 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 and my mentor taught me about suits and different types of suits. So he really helped me step my suit game up, right? Which really helped me before I got into the luxury market because those higher end people, they know fashion and those guys know suits, okay? And you can't go to a million dollar listing looking like you can't even afford a million dollar listing. It's just not going to happen. So putting all those things together with the cold calling, with the scripts, with the success already in just two and a half years of selling a certain amount of real estate, I felt that, man, I really wanted to take my chances and try this luxury and try this luxury thing, man. Uh, so my mentor and I talked about it. And we both were on the same page. And I was like, man, in order for me to really get into this luxury market, Sotheby's International Realty was and still is the top dog when it came down to luxury real estate in that in those markets. So I felt that in order for me to get into this market, I have to switch brokerages and go to Sotheby's. 
Now, Sotheby's, I'm pretty sure they like this all across the world. They're not the they're not the brokerage where you kind of call them. They're kind of the brokerage where they call you, man. They reach out to you if you're doing good and they see that you're making noise. But I've never been the person to wait on anybody to call me ever. So I called Sotheby's one day, got the bro- got one of the brokers on the phone, uh, Mr. Rob Corney. I'm, I'm going to throw names out there, man, because these people changed my life, okay? Um, and I called, got Rob on the phone, man. I gave him a little bit about who I am and my history. And he was like, man, you know, to be honest, you know, we don't take agents that hadn't been in the game about three and a half to four years. We don't take agents that hadn't done a certain amount of real estate sales. He said, but something there's something intriguing about you, you know, come in such and such date and let's sit down and have an interview. And I was like, okay, perfect, man. So that's all I need, bro. All I need to do is get in front of you and it's over with, okay? So I was ready, man. I, I, I pulled my best suit out of the closet. You know, like your first day when you get ready to go to school the next day and you pull all your clothes out and put it on the bed. <laughs> Absolutely. That's how I was, man. I was like, I was ready, man. So I pulled out my best suit. I was ready to go, man. And again, I was passionate about Sotheby's. I've always known about Sotheby's before I even got into real estate. Um, so... You know, I didn't have to fake it. The, the, the passion was there. So when I went and met with Rob, I was able to tell him everything I knew about the brand, uh, the success of the brand, what the brand stood for, and how myself and my brand could be a great partner with that brand, right? And, man, I just killed the interview, man. And he was like, man, I'm let's do it. I'm going to take a chance on you, bro, and, and let's do it. And I'm going to kind of speak for Rob. I don't think he regrets that, man. As soon as I got into that, into the, into Sotheby's, man, I took the same things that I was using in Keller Williams. And I used, I implemented those things, man, from the cold calling to the door knocking. And a lot of the agents in Keller, in, in Sotheby's frowned upon door knocking, man. They did not go knock on nobody's door. Like, bro, we don't knock on people's doors. These, these are million-dollar clients. We're not knocking on their damn doors, bro. And I'm like, well, I'm different. I'm knocking on doors, man. So There's still people, man. People are people. People are people, man. It doesn't matter if they're millionaires, billionaires. People are people. And what I learned, the one thing about these, these higher-end people, man, they're passionate people. And when they see that you have the passion, it reminds them of them when they first started in whatever career field that they were in to get to where they are, they had to start with the passion, right? So when I would knock on these people's doors, man, in a full suit and it's 110 degrees outside, right? But these people would be open to me and be like, man, dude, you're doing things that people aren't doing. Come in. I would be in these two, $3 million homes, man, from knocking on doors. And these people would have me in there for hours just talking to me and just we're building these relationships. Even if they weren't ready to sell at the time, I'm building these relationships with these people who are also putting me in with other people that may be ready to sell. And that's what really got me into the luxury market was door knocking. As crazy as that sounds, door knocking got me into the luxury market and got me with my first million dollar listing man and i sold that house in about 10 days and then the neighbor started calling me another neighbor started calling me so it transitioned into me selling a lot of luxury real estate man just from door knocking in a short period of time and from there uh it's kind of where i transitioned from moving from dc 
back to Louisiana to help start the uh, boutique brokerage that I was the COO of. Absolutely, man. So I'm going to throw some compliments your way. Number one, 20 contacts a day, 100 a week. If anybody does that, even if you suck, you're going to make a lot of money, man. Like you don't even have to be good with those numbers. You could do half of that and you could make six figures, um, even if you're bad. Right. So, I mean, you're hitting those numbers right out the gate. Props to you for that. Um, I love your, your thoughts on the suits. I know I'm uh, quite underdressed here, but I do have a nice tailored suit too. Um, being able to um, fit the role is super important, you know, and, and I could see looking at you, not only did that's a tailored suit, you know, like it's important when you're working with the right type of person that you're wearing your suit correctly, right? You know, you want your shirt to be past the jacket. I mean, this is how it's supposed to be. But like one of the worst things you can do is wear a suit wrong. Because yeah. um, <laughs> that makes you look like a clown. Um, <laughs> um, and, and dude, you've already thrown three relationships that totally changed your life. Yeah. Um, um, the first agent you met, the millionaire dude that you started out with, and then the, the broker at Sotheby's. Or Sotheby's. Um, and not only that, but you mentioned the relationships that you were building with these millionaires. Like, boom. <laughs> You're thinking networking from the very beginning. Um, networking for me is the most important strategy. There's nothing better than a strong network. So just props to you for hitting that so quickly, man. I mean, you, you just hit the ground running. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the move to Louisiana. So okay. you go down there to start a, a boutique brokerage mm -hmm. with another guy. Where does that go? So, man, I'm sitting in a, <laughs> as crazy as this sounds, I'm sitting in a, uh, how much was this house? A $1.8 million listing in Virginia. And I get this DM from a guy back home that I don't necessarily know. He's old, he's older than me. Uh, but I get this DM from him and he's like, man, you know, people from back home are telling me about you and what you're doing in, 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 in DC with your real estate career. It's very interesting, man, how you're doing it. Uh, I, am about to start a real estate brokerage with, excuse me, a couple other guys who were the actual owners of the real estate company. They were also builders, new construction builders, right? And they wanted to start a real estate company. They didn't want to put their listings with other brokerages anymore. Uh, they wanted their own brokerage and they wanted their own agents to list their properties, which is a great idea, which is a really good model that I didn't see in the DC area. I never saw a, bro a builder who had their own brokerage. So it was intriguing, like, oh, okay. I'm like, okay, that's a great idea. So he was really initially calling because he wanted my advice on how to negotiate his deal with these guys as the broker. Like, man, what can I, as the broker, what type of deal do you think I should negotiate with these guys? So over the couple of weeks, man, we talked on what he should do and, and, and the ideas of what these guys were doing. He was like, man, I think that you should think about moving back home and helping start running this real estate brokerage, man. We can have agents under us, man. We can really grow this thing and it can be crazy. And I was like, dude, listen, I grew my business from working with $80,000 clients to $200,000 clients to $400,000 clients to $2 million clients right now, man. I'm like, man, moving back home to Louisiana where the average price point is probably $250,000, dollars 300 grand. I'm like, man, that's a stretch, man. Like, I don't know. But I also had to think about the quantity. Of, like, now you got this new construction builder that's building, you know, 80 to 100 homes a year, right? Uh, 
that's a lot of listings. And, and always in real estate, we talked about listings. Listings is king. Having the listings is king. So I kind of look at that, that standpoint. It's like, okay, this could be a lot of listings. It could be a great opportunity. I could be back home, close to the family. You know, uh, this may be a great idea. And I've always been a person of giving back, man. I've always loved to give back. So I felt that me moving back home was a great way for me to come back and teach other guys and other ladies on how other things to do to be successful. Our city is a very small city. It's very hard to get out of this city. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, crime sometimes with the younger, especially the younger black kids, not really knowing what to do to get out of the city. What, what other things can we do other than drugs and stuff like that, right? So I felt that me moving back home would also, it's bigger than me. I looked at the opportunity as this is bigger than just me going back and selling real estate. I could help change lives the same way my mentors helped change my life, right? So we came back. I'm, I came back, kind of met with the guys to see if this was really legit. Are these guys really doing what they're saying they're doing? You know, is this really going to work? So I moved back and I'm like, okay, these guys really are building houses. They really do want to open this brokerage. Let's take a leap of faith, man, and let's do it. So I moved back home, moved my family back here. And they're not even, never been in Louisiana in their lives, <laughs> let alone lived here. So I moved them back, man, from the city to the country. Um, and we started, man. So we hit the ground running, man. And we started with just him and I, you know, uh, and of course the owners, but him and I on the real estate side and trying to figure out how to grow that brokerage from us two to bigger than what it was. Absolutely, man. So it starts at two. Mm -hmm. it, go it grows to 90. Yes. How did you pull that off? And that's in only four years, too. Four years. So uh, the first year, man, uh, I had to, we had to figure out, okay, what do we want to do? And how do we, how do we want to grow this? What is our motto, right? Do we want to just have a bunch of agents? We can follow the model of, and, and this is not a, this is not a dig at Keller Williams, but we can follow the model of Keller Williams where we can have a we can have 300, 400, 500 agents at a time. And maybe 10% of those agents or 20% of those agents are really producers. Or we can just focus on agents that are producing and not have 400 agents or 300 or 200 agents, right? And we said, okay, let's focus on the smaller model, the boutique brokerage size, right? The agents that are really producing the agents and not have a whole bunch of agents because that can be a headache at times. Um, so I had to come up with an idea because my main job as COO was recruiting, figuring out how to recruit and figuring out how to open other offices throughout Louisiana. The owners wanted to grow throughout Louisiana because they were building in a lot of places throughout Louisiana. So their goal was to open offices in a lot of these places where they're building it as well as having agents there selling real estate other than just theirs. So I'm like, man, we don't know a lot of people in these areas that we want to grow in. I mean, we want to grow in New Orleans. We want to be in Baton Rouge. We want to be in Lafayette. We want to be in these bigger markets, some of the biggest markets in Louisiana. How do we get there? And again, again, recruiting is a relationship-based task. You can't just go out and recruit agents, man. That's not easy. Number one, these agents may not know you. And if you're not doing deals in these markets, these agents are not going to respect you. They're not going to care who you are. They respect the agents that's in their markets. That's the movers and that's the shakers, right? 
So I'm like, man, it's going to be hard for us to go up here to these places and recruit these agents that don't know us. And it's going to take forever to try to build these relationships with these agents as well. So we'll be kind of we'll be kind of scaling at a snail's pace. And we weren't okay with that. We had goals and we wanted to hit these goals. Right. So I came up with the idea of, okay, instead of me trying to go out and recruiting 20, 30 agents at a time, let me focus on one. Right. Let me focus on one top producing agent in that market that has the relationships with the people that has the the uh, respect of these other agents and the clients and the markets that they're working in. Right. If I can focus on that one person and get that one person and put that person in a leadership role, which is what we did that person will recruit for us. And it'd be beneficial for everybody, especially that recruiter, especially that agent, which we call the office director. And that person ran the office, that person recruited, that person was the leader of that office. And finding leaders in real estate is not an easy task, man. Everybody doesn't wanna be a leader in real estate. A lot of agents just wanna focus on their own book of business and that's fine. They don't want to lead other agents. They don't want to train other agents. They don't have time for that. They got kids at home. They got a family at home. I want to focus on that and just my own book of business. So finding those those leaders were very was not an easy task. But one thing I say about being in a leadership role, true leaders always notice other leaders. They can always find another leader out the pack right? So it wasn't too difficult for me to find other leaders in the industry. Uh, And man, that model in the first year, you know, got us to about 23, 24 agents in the first year, right? So from that point forward, we were like, okay, we're on to something. Like we're we're producing now, we're, we're hitting our goals now. And every year we would set our goals higher every year. To see, to make, you know, to, to- Can I pause you for one second? Mm-hmm. Just one second. Because, I mean, I love what you said about being able to spot leaders, and you're totally right about that. I mean, it's a totally different skill set to teach somebody how to sell houses than it is to sell houses. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's totally different because, I mean, you know the statistics, man. 90% of realtors don't make it. Quit. And, and, and of the ones that don't make it, you know, most of them sell four to six houses a year, right? So I'm um, finding that the cream of the crop as you said, is difficult by itself. Like, how did you attract them to your brokerage though? Because as you said, these leaders are hard to find, but most of them have very high D personalities, right? They, they kind of want to be in charge most of the time. So how did, what kind of value proposition did you give to these people to make them want to work with you? Great question. Great question. Yeah, good question. Um, Man, I got to go back to what we talked about in the beginning. Number one, your appearance. Right. Me, myself and, and, and a lot of times the CEO would go with me as well uh, to meet with these people. But appearance was everything, man. Dressing the part. People say fake it till you make it. But again, dressing the part, man, and looking the part is half the battle. In the first three seconds. Do I got that book here. OK. In this book, Jordan talks about appearance and he talks about in the first, I don't remember how many seconds, maybe five or 10 seconds. In the first five or 10 seconds, someone has made a perception of you, right? As soon as they see you, they feel, they, they feel like they figured you out and what type of person you are, right? So when you dress the part, 
that person in the first 10 seconds is like, wherever this guy is, he's freaking serious, and he's coming with something serious to talk about. I'm going to listen. I'm going to give him my undivided attention. And that set the tone, man, at these meetings again. And these leaders took us serious. Like, okay, these guys are serious. They're not coming in here to play, right? So when it came down to the, the value proposition, what did our brokerage have to offer to them to make them want to leave the brokerages that they were at to come here? And a lot of them were not leaders at their brokerages, right? They were top producing agents. They were known for being top producing agents, but they didn't have a leadership role, right? So we offered them a leadership role. Hey, have you ever thought about owning your own brokerage? Yeah, but not, you know, it may not be the time right now. Okay, cool. You don't have to own a brokerage right now, but you can come and you can run a brokerage, right? It's the same thing. You come and run a brokerage. You don't, there's no expense to you. There was no expense to our agents at all. And that was one of the good things about our brokerage. We had no hidden fees. We paid for a lot. We paid for the signage. We paid for so much thing, so many things that it was almost impossible for an agent not to come over. And we had the new construction as well, right? The builders were building a lot of homes. So the new construction was intriguing to the agents to say, man, I'm going to get a lot of listings off of this, right? So this may be a great opportunity for me to switch over to a brokerage where I'm going to actually get real leads. A lot of brokerages talk about leads. These are real legit leads. What brokerage you know are giving people listings as leads? And they're listings too. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you got the cream of the crop there. Um, that's very clever. So you were targeting top producing agents that have yet to start a team. So you're kind of taking these people that have that potential to go to the next level, and you're, you're leading them. You're leading them the way, basically, yeah. and you're giving them a massive opportunity with those listings. Yeah. I mean, if you came to me with that opportunity, I'd be like, "Yep." Let's do it, Mario. No um, brainer. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's a no brainer. Yeah. But having that passion, man, and those people seeing, because again, you can, I can come in and tell you everything about my brokerage, man. But if I, if you don't believe in me, you're not coming, right? If you don't believe in me as a leader, because now you got to look at me as this is the person that's going to be leading me and training me, right? So if you don't believe in me, then you're not coming. I don't care how much, how many houses you build a year. You're a horrible leader and I don't trust you. So I'm not coming. So those people had to trust us and believe in me to be able to come over and 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 and, and help us grow what we grew. Yeah. All right. Now, now let's continue the story, brother. Okay. So yeah, it went from like I said, so man, every year, man, we just grew. Our our agent count grew, but we were very, you know, we we, we were very particular about the agents that we brought on. Uh, our office spaces were really, really nice office spaces. Uh, our our office directors were, you know, we just had goals and we sat down and we talked about our goals. We had quarterly meetings. You know, we were very structured, very structured on what we were doing and how we were going to accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. Um, and with that, man, like I said, in, in, in four years, we grew this thing to 90 agents. When, when, when I left, we had over 90 agents. Uh, and in the in four years that we were there, we sold $467 million in real estate. And we were growing at a pace that other brokerages were like, man, what are you guys doing? How are you figuring this out, right? And we were a very diverse brokerage, which is also difficult to do as well you know i'm be very very honest on this podcast because i know there's all types of people out here that's watching this uh myself and the ceo were black so 
being able to grow a uh, um, diverse brokerage is difficult sometimes when the two leaders of the brokerage are black or white. Sometimes you usually uh, you usually attract the same uh, uh, race a lot of the times, especially when it comes down to real estate, man. You'll see predominantly black offices. You'll see predominantly white offices. You'll see predominantly uh, Hispanic offices. Like that's just kind of who we attract because we want to be in a circle of people that we know and are, are, are kind of comfortable with, right? Man, we weren't like that, man. We were very diverse brokerage. And it started with being diverse with our office directors as well. You know, our office directors were very diverse. So it was easy for us to go out there and recruit all types of agents, man, from all walks of lives. Uh, uh, so it was, you know, it helped us grow to very organic. It was organic growth because the office directors had to make sure that there were people in their offices that they wanted to work with every single day. So we were very selective on who we brought into our family this felt like a family to us. This is like a family brokerage. That's why I stayed a boutique brokerage because everybody knew one another. Everybody knew everybody's kids. We had a lot of events together. So it was just a family vibe there, which helped it grow quickly. Uh, Let me pause you for one more second. Mm -hmm. um, I'm loving what you're talking about. The family thing, like that's so important. But you mentioned the diversity, and I think I'd like to tap on that a little bit more because as you mentioned, that that's something that is not necessarily intentional, but it kind of happens organically, yeah. right? Because people want to be by people that are like them, right? So how did you buck the trend? How were you able to attract people that were not quite like you and your partner? <laughs> man, really just by, man, I think, I, I didn't want to get on here and just, and just, brag on myself too much uh but i really think man me coming from a the military number one right which is the the most diverse organization out there man it's a melting pot of people man so me being able to um uh vibe with all types of people right so even when i met with uh, leaders that weren't black, right? It was easy for me to relate to them, right? Because I've been around you. I've been around all types of people, right? Um, so I felt like it was a little bit easier for me to go in and, and have those conversations with them and not come off as, you know, just trying to grow an all black brokerage or this is, this is what we're looking for and only this, right? So I made it a point to make sure that the leaders that we were looking for weren't all just a certain type of person, not even just race, right? Not not just the same type of person, right? What type of leader is this? Are they involved with the community? What are they doing outside of real estate, right? Do they have a family? Do they have kids? You know, what what is what is their husband doing? What is their what is their wives doing? What are their kids doing, right? So it was just bigger than the race. It was, what are you doing outside of just being a real estate agent? Because we're at, we're looking for actual leaders and you're going to have to lead your agents as well. So whoever we put in that position, your agents are going to be a reflection of their leadership. That was the biggest thing I went into looking at it as like your agents are going to be a, a reflection of you. So the person that we put there is going to have to be a very diverse agent themselves, right? Who works with all types of clientele. So I was kind of methodical about the people that I that I looked for. I looked up their sales. 
I looked up their social media. I did a lot of digging before I even called you. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it wasn't just me cold calling you saying, hey, I want to meet with you. No, I did a lot of uh, stalkerous things before I before I called you because it was very important to make sure we had the right people in those positions, man. So you were targeting people. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, I love this. I love this. I love this. So, I mean, there's one thing that you kind of did maybe inadvertently. Um, so, like, I used to be, when I was a younger folk, um, <laughs> I used to be an assistant GM at McDonald's when I was, like, 19. Mm -hmm. um, and I had another guest that was talking about the franchise model, and they're just like, oh, you need to make sure all the stores are running the same. And I'm like, that's not possible. That is not possible at all. Um, because whoever's running that office, it's going to be a reflection of that person, right? Wow. So that leader that you put there, everyone is going to have their own little culture, right? If you go to a different one, it's going to feel different. Even if everything is done exactly the same, it's going to feel wow. different, right? So, I mean... Um, it's very clever that you were intentionally targeting people, number one. I mean, that's that's brilliant. Um, but number two, like you already acknowledged that that was going to happen. I mean, and you were cool with it. Yeah. I just yeah. love that. Yeah. 100%. Oh. My mentor, uh, Dr. Bowman, man, he just, man, he was just so business, right? He was, he had, he had his acumen for business was on a whole nother level. So I went into this thing with a thick skin, knowing that this is what's possibly going to happen and being realistic with what I what the, the, the task that I had before me. Right. I knew it would be easy for me to just go to people that look like me. Right. That's easy. They're, they're probably going to say yes all day long. Right. We're not in this for just easy. We're in this to break barriers and change people's lives across all facets of life. So I had to take that challenge and say, man, I'm going to meet with all types of people, man. And if they say no, they just say no, but it's going to build my character the same way it built my character when I was knocking on those people's doors because those doors that I was knocking on, those people didn't look like me, right? 97% of the doors that I were knocking on, those people did not look like me, right? So doing those types of things helped me when it came down to recruiting these types of leaders. Love that. I love how you're looking at the challenge too, because I guarantee you when I started this thing, I'm, I pissed a lot of people off because I didn't ask friends. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to go meet new people. Um, I'm going to get new people on the show. It's like, it's easy. I could just get all these people I know onto the show, but like, what's the fun in that? Like that would be too easy, right? That would be too easy. It's like, I need a challenge. If there's no challenges, now we're doing boring. Yeah. It's boring. It's boring. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I'm, we're building up to this big moment, something that happened a year and a day ago. I'm going to let you take me there at your own time. Um, I'm going to let you take me there at your own time, but let's continue the story. So, um, man, we're growing this thing, man. I mean, we are killing it, man. And I guess, you know, we're kind of at that point now um, to where, again, we're building this family vibe, right? I feel like we're all family. We know one another. You know, we we may have our, our arguments. We may have our disagreements. But, man, we're building this thing together. Everybody's on the same page. The leaders to the owners to the CEO. Like, man, we're in this thing together. We're growing this thing, man. And January 25th, like you said, I just realized that it's the anniversary. January 25th of last year, uh, I received a text message from the CEO of the company. 
And I was told I was terminated from the position, right? Out of nowhere, man. And it was a eye-opener, number one. Uh, it was a shock. I mean, it was a super shock, man. And I will tell you that it broke me down. I never saw it coming. I would have never thought it, it would happen. Uh, and as, as many things that you put in place for certain things, like for this not to happen, you know, there's still loopholes around things, man. You, you gotta, you know, number one, you gotta have iron cloud paperwork for stuff like this to not happen. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, you're still an independent contractor, you know? So, you know, as a broker, you know, I can let any of my agents go. And that's kind of what happened in that situation. And let me uh, pause you a second. Cause this guy literally, you helped him. It was you and him. Yeah. You were the first two agents there. Yeah. And he terminated you via text. 100%. Like, how was he going to do you like that? Really? 100%, man. And this guy was like, when I tell you this guy was like family to me and my family, my kids called him uncle. Uh, we just looked at him as, I looked at him as a brother. You know, I'm with this guy all day, every day, man. Like we're, we're figuring this thing out from nothing to the success that it is, that it was at that time, right? Like, man, like, and people looked at us as these two guys are killing it and they're figuring it out. They looked at us as the face of the company. Even though we weren't the owners of the company, everyone felt like we were the owners of the company because they we're the only people that they see all the time, right? We're the front of the company, right? So... For that to happen in a text message the way that it did, man, it was very, very, very disheartening. Uh, but I feel like that was the easy way out for him to be able to do that through a text message. That, that's easy, man. And not all leaders are the same, okay? And my mentor taught me- Everybody wants the challenge, I guess. Everybody wants the challenge, man. And my mentor, I always I just go back to my mentor, man. This guy changed my life. But he taught me one thing when we first started in, in business. He said, I'm going to tell you something, Fox, because everybody just calls me Fox. He said, there's two types of people in this world, especially in especially in, in business. There's the pretenders and there's the contenders. All right. And when you're in a room with a bunch of executives or leaders, right, and you're a pretender, the contenders are always going to figure you out. A contender is always going to figure out who's in here pretending. Right. So I said that to say that, you know, Again, it's two types of people in in, in, in in this world. And you can figure out who was the pretender and who was the contender. So <laughs> the contender felt like it was the easy way out to send a text message and, and terminate, you know, not only his business partner, but his friend, not only his friend, but his brother. Right. So it 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 broke me down, man. And it it took me all the way back down to where I felt this big. You hear me? To to give my blood, sweat, and tears to this to this company for four years, where I moved back home for this. Again, we go back to four years prior, where I was sitting in a one point eight million dollar listing that I had. Right, where this guy reached out to me to come back here to help this brokerage. Right. So we go from $1.8 million listing to back here to starting over from zero, right? To $467 million in sales to back to you're terminated.
So now I'm, I'm broke down, man. You know, my wife and I are trying to figure it out. Okay. What's the next move? And I'm, I'm getting into a zone to where I'm depressed because I've never been through a situation like this before. And I'm trying to figure out like, what do I do with my family, man? What do I do with my kids, man? Nobody, nobody thought about that. The owners, the CEO, like when you guys got together and, 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 and conspired on whatever it is you conspired on, did anybody think about those things? Right. And I'm, and I'm such a passionate person that I always think 20 steps ahead. How could this decision affect not just this person, but his family, their kids, the other people around, how does this affect them? And I feel like nobody thought about that when that decision was made, the way that it was made. So I had to figure out those things, man. And it put me in a depressed state to where I just didn't know what I was going to do. And having my wife there again was a game changer for me, man, because she would not allow me to quit. And I won't say that quitting ever crossed my mind because quitting never really crossed my mind, to be honest with you, man. At this point in my career, I just felt, you know, man, I'm a I'm a great executive, bro. Nobody can take that away from me at this point. I know what I'm doing. I can figure this thing out. If I did it for somebody else, I could do it for myself. But the question was, do I even want to be in Louisiana anymore? Do I want to move back to a bigger city and get back to selling luxury real estate like I was doing before, right? And my wife was like, no, we're not moving. We're staying here and we're going to figure this thing out and we're going to grow our own brokerage. And you don't need those guys, right? You've shown what you can do and how to do it. So let's do it ourselves. And that's what got us uh, in July, man. We, you know, as soon as that happened in January, again, it took me about a week to kind of build myself back up and just say, okay, this is what I want to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And we hit the ground running, man. I, I, we started the LLC. Uh, we started the brokerage paperwork and started working on our own brokerage, started the brand, the, 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 the logos, the everything, how we were going to do it, and um, started this thing. And I, we got our first uh, brick and mortar around April. We got our first brick and mortar around April. Um and that's where we just started, man. We just started hitting the ground running, man. And like you said, we, we've grown it now uh, to 17 agents. It's not 90 agents, man. But in that first from... Well, it's been seven months, right? Yeah. Uh, it's something like that. It's been just getting started. That's 17 agents already. And that also, that's after getting punched in the nuts, basically. And I mean, it had to take some time to recover from that. Um, I, I, you're good, man. Keep going. So um, in that first, in 2023 now, in 2022, when we opened the brick and mortar in, I want to say April. So from, uh, we really, I really say we started hitting the ground running March, April, May, June, really, right? Uh, from June to December, we did $15 million in sales. Um, and we grew it to about, I would say we had about 15, about 13 to 15 agents in that first year. And like I said, now we're at 17 agents and we're just growing it again, organically, man, taking those things that I've learned from every aspect of real estate 
and putting it and implementing it into our own brokerage and our own brand now and just being very, very cautious of who we bring on. And our biggest thing right now is loyalty, right? We're looking for loyal people, not only to us, but to your clients and to the market and to what we're doing. Because no one person is bigger than the brand. Not even me. If I screw up and I make the brand look bad, I'm stepping down. My wife is going to take over, right? Like, that's how serious it is. No one person is bigger than the brand, man. And we preach that all across the board to our agents and our leaders in the brokerage. And that's what we uh, believe in. And we believe in that with our clientele as well. And we just are continuing to grow, man. Absolutely. It is such a tremendous story from start to finish. Um, Fox, what are your goals for 2023, man? We're about four weeks into the year. You're at 17 agents now. What are you looking to build up to? What are you looking to accomplish this year in general? So when it comes down to recruiting, uh, having a recruiting goal, uh, again, I'm, I'm more on the point of being very organic with our growth now, right? Uh, I don't necessarily have too much of a recruiting goal, right? I don't want to have a million agents, right? Uh, do I want to grow into multiple markets? Yes, we are in multiple markets throughout Louisiana, and we're doing that without having to have physical brick and mortars in these markets. Uh, we're also in the Texas market as well. I'm licensed in six different states. Um, we're working on Atlanta. We got multiple agents that's licensed in Atlanta that actually live in Atlanta, in Georgia as well. So I just acquired a broker's license in Georgia. And we're going, this, before the end of this year, we will have a office location in Georgia uh, and have multiple agents there as well, the same way we are working on in Texas also. So we're in multiple states, man, multiple markets, man. And, you know, of course we have production goals. And again, we kind of want to take it. We only had six months last year to try to figure this thing out of what we wanted to do. So this year, the goal is to do over $30 million in real estate, having a full year. Uh, uh, of agents and a full market to see what we can do and try to hit those goals. So the goal is to do over 30 million, man, uh, with the agents that we got right now. Even if I don't add, even if I don't recruit another single agent, I base my goals off of what I have now, right? So that's our goals right now, man. And the goals is to always just, you know, have uncompromising service. That's our biggest thing is not to compromise on our service that we give to our clients. I don't care if you're buying a $50,000 house or a $2 million house. And we got clients from all aspects of life and all price points right now. We got $2 million listings right now and we got $50,000 listings right now. We got $2 million buyers that we're working with and we got $50,000 buyers that we're working with, right? But none of those people get different types of services from us. It doesn't matter. We're going to give you all the same service regardless of who you are, regardless of what your walk of life is. We're passionate about that. And if you don't have that same passion that we do, we're not going to bring you on board. It's just that simple. We're not, we're not desperate for people. Uh, we want the right people that are, that are going to be loyal to our brand and what we're looking for uh, in real estate. So that's kind of the goals in the nutshell, man. And to, and to kill this thing, man, it just, keep having the passion for this and growing our agents. My biggest thing is growing my agents and their success and their brand, right? We meet every year at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year to go over goals. We do a 411, like I learned in Keller Williams. 
and we just break those goals down, man. How much how how much real estate do you want to do this year? I don't make them do a certain amount of uh, of real estate uh, or sales per se, uh, but I do. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I do push them to do better and to do more than what they did the year before. And they thank me for that all the time, man. And of course, uh, agents from my last brokerage are, are are just organically leaving and coming over. And some of them are, a lot of the leaders that I trained left and started their own brokerages, right? Which for me is like, man, I look at that and that I smile on the inside to see the people that I helped went on and started their own brokerages or did something better, right? For me, that's success. That's all I need to see. I don't have to have a million dollars in the bank. For me, that is success for me. So when when my agents set goals and my agents reach those goals, that's all I care about, man. And that's 100%. That's me. And anybody that knows me will tell you, that's Fox, bro. He doesn't care about, you know, having a million dollars in his bank account. He cares about the people around him being successful. Because if they're successful, man, I'm going to be successful. That's just that. Hands down. Uh, man, Fox, you, you totally hit the nail on the head there. I'm loving the term uncompromising service. I'm loving that term. So, I mean, it reminds me of a term that I hear from a couple um, folks kind of by me. Um, we'll throw Frank, Frank Montro and Gary Davidson a, a shout out right now. They use the term excessive value all the time. They're like, I want to provide you excessive value. And it's like, if you think of what the word excessive means, it's like too much. <laughs> it's like, I want to give you too much value. I want to give you so much value. You're overwhelmed. You're just like, oh my God, please stop. Um, so <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of getting the same vibe here with uncompromising service. Um, your passion comes straight through. Like I, I could tell you're genuine just talking to you because you're so passionate. Um, you're getting like ramped up just talking about yeah, it. Jump out the chair. Yes, I mean, the passion is genuine. Um, so I'm guessing you not only have uncompromising service towards your clients, but towards your agents as well. Yeah, for sure. I, again, man, I focus a lot on their success, man, and trying to take as much stress and headache away from them. Because like we said in the beginning, man, 90% of agents quit when they get into real estate, man, because it's just so, you know, they watch million dollar listings and they watch these shows. And a lot of these shows don't show you what's happening behind the screen and the deals that's falling through and the, and you happen to be, uh, I, I tell my agents all the time, man, listen, if you're not ready to be a landscaper, a, a, a janitor, uh, 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 a stager, a photographer, uh, uh, um, uh, what's my biggest one? A, um, God dang it, man. I can't. Therapist? A therapist. You hit it right on the head, bro. If you're not ready to be a therapist, bro, this is not the business for you because you're going to be all of that. I've had to clean out pools. <laughs> I had to get the listings. I had to get the listings 30 minutes early to clean up the bedrooms, to make up the beds, to, to it all, bro. We, these are things that top producing agents have to do that you don't see a lot of on these TV shows, man. And and like you said, being the therapist, man, and helping these people. You do not see people on those TV shows pulling staples out of the hardwood, man. You don't see that. You're right. I mean, you.
it is such a multi-tiered role, man. I'm- it is, man. And keeping people, you know, we've I've, I've been through a lot of deals where, you know, it's uneasy where you got clients that's going through divorces. You know, I hate to see those types of things, man, but you have to be there for these people, man, and help them through this transition, man, and through this, through this, 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 this deal as well. You can't just go into it thinking about the money. When you go into it thinking about the money, it's not going to work out and you're not going to be passionate about what's going on in the situation that's going on. Forget the money. I mean, don't forget it. Yeah, you got to make money, but you know how much money you're going to make when the deal is done. All right. You know that, you know what the commissions is done. Get that out of your head now and focus on the client and the people and the, and, and the situations that they have going on, man. And I promise you, if you focus on that, your clientele is going to grow. Your views are going to be out of the roof. And, and of course, to make it in this industry, you have to have referrals and your referrals are going to grow out of the roof. Do I cold call today? I do. I'm not going to lie. I still cold call. I do. I'm not going to even lie. I'm about to say no. <laughs> no I, do. I cold call today? No. Yeah. <laughs> do I cold call as much as I did? No, I don't. But, you know, I don't have to cold call as much, man. My clientele is, you know, through the roof because people refer me all day, every day, man, because that passion is there. But I never forget the basics, man. I'm going to still cold call. I'm going to still knock on doors. If I drive pop drive past a sign and I see it for sale by owner, I'm calling that number. I'm knocking on that door and I'm trying to convert you from a for sale by owner to listing with, with that Fox Realty Group, even if it's not me, right? So yeah, I'm sticking with the basics. Never forget the basics. I always stick with the basics, man. So yeah, I almost lied there and said I don't call call, but I do. <laughs> uh, you know what I love? I love the integrity. Like you could have rolled with it. I would have never known. Um, nobody would have known, but you yeah. caught yourself and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> but not as much, not as much. Hey, you know, calling, that's a, that's a skill that you could lose kind of, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like riding a bike. Like you still have it, but when you jump on a bike, when you haven't done it in 10 years, it's a little wobbly. Um, <laughs> once you get it, man, and, and once you perfect it, it's something that you don't want to lose. It's not even cold calling anymore. It's just the, man, I just jump on the phone and call. It's not even a cold call anymore. And I'm not stressed out about it. I got those. It's not even a script at this point. I got it down to a science, how I'm going to handle that conversation and what I'm going to say before I even get on the phone. So stick with the basics. Never forget your basics. I had to start all the way over from the ground up, everybody. So, and I never forgot the basics. I had to go back to the basics again to get back to where I am right now. Absolutely, man. And you said something so important. So we're on the Freedom Chasers podcast, but we're not on bigger pockets. This isn't about money. This is about freedom. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned, forget about the money. Yeah. So Fox, if you magically got a billion dollars in the bank today, and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow. What would you be doing with your time? Yeah, man, my wife and I talk about that a lot, especially with these lotteries that's coming up and they billions of dollars lotteries these days. Man, you know, honestly, and, we, and again, we talk about this a lot. And I would, man, if I had a billion dollars in the bank, as crazy as it sounds, I know a lot of people are like, dude, you're lying. You're going to be gone. Your people never see you again. Man, I would continue... I probably wouldn't do as much real estate as I'm doing right now, but I would never get rid of my brokerage. I would never get rid of my agents. I would never get rid of my brand because, again, I'm thinking 20 steps ahead. And just because I'm a billionaire, they're not billionaires. They're not millionaires. 
they still have to survive and make it. So why would I X out the one thing that's helping them to provide for their family? So, man, I would, I would continue to keep a brokerage and continue to keep a brand. And with that billion dollars, man, I would invest so much into this brand to make it better, to make it easier for my agents to produce and make more money. So that, that answer is kind of easy because we do think about this a lot of times, man. We think about, hey, what if we became millionaires overnight? What will we do? Will we leave this all behind? No, because at this point, this is not that much of a stress and a headache to me, to be honest with you. My agents don't stress me out. My clients don't really stress me out, right? I'm selective with my clients at this point too. So <laughs> I'm not working with somebody that's going to stress me out. Not happening. So, you know, at this point, it's a passion thing for me, man. I love my agents to the bottom of my heart. They are my family, right? And I got older, I got agents that are older than me. And I look at them like, you know, I don't want to put their ages out there, but I look at, I look at them like, mothers sometimes and i look at them like you know mentors as well even though i'm 32 years old running the brokerage and a lot of my agents are older than me they don't look at me as a 32 year old kid right they look at me as this is my broker this is my ceo this is my leader and he cares himself as a leader and he cares himself as a broker right and a, and a and a father and a husband so i get a lot of respect from them and I respect them from to the bottom of my heart. And, and, and that's just passion talking right there, man. I respect them. So I would never just leave them high and dry because I'm a billionaire, right? In my mind right now, I'm a billionaire. And I can leave them, you know, I can do anything right now and just leave them. But I wouldn't do it, man. I, I, was, I would stick it out and be here with them now. Now, will my cars get more fancier? Yes, they probably see me in a Lambo every day now or, or a helicopter, something crazy. But... <laughs> Oh, there go Mario. But man, I would never leave my people, man. And I will continue to, I, I would just grow the brand bigger if I was a billionaire, to be honest with you. I knew you were going to say that, brother. That's why I asked. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Mario Fox, man, this has been an absolute pleasure. Yes. Anybody listening, if they feel the passion coming out the screen, how would they reach out to you, man? How would they get in touch? Perhaps they're in Louisiana. Maybe they... They happen to be a leadership type person. Maybe they're looking for somebody to help them out. Yeah. That would be the best way to, for them to do so. Uh, give me a call, man. Uh, 318-581-6516. Or shoot me an email. Mario at foxrealtygroupla.com. That's the easiest way, easiest way to reach me, man. I'm, I'm, I get a lot of people that call me and want me to help mentor them. And they want to come shadow me and stuff like that. I love those types of things because... That's what I'm here for. This this is bigger than me, and I have to give back in some way. I'm a volunteer firefighter right now too. So people around town are dude. You are like people call me Batman. Like dude, you're a bat. You Batman. One minute I see you in a suit. Oh shit, dude! I mean, going out fighting the fire. Legitimately, dude. I'm legitimately out fighting house fires sometimes, man. And and that helps with my business and my brand because I'm literally protecting your assets. I'm literally protecting your valuables and your property. So when people see me out on these sites and I'm out here fighting fires, man, it's just one more thing that people say, this guy is selfless with his service, man. He is bigger than just him, right? It's bigger than his suits and his appearance and his money and his cars or whatever is bigger than that with me. So yeah, man, anybody needs any guidance or mentorship, whatever, reach out to me. I just want to talk, you know, and I want to meet other leaders as well. So if anybody got any constructive criticism or feedback for me, I'm open to it. Let's grow together.
You are the man, Fox. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. Man, you got some nuggets in this episode. Just pick one of them. One of them. Don't pick four. Pick one. Take massive action on it. Tell somebody you know that will help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in. And we'll catch you on the next one.